It's Tuesday, June 4th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, it's been 30 years since Chinese students protested at Tiananmen Square in Beijing. We'll connect the dots on why commemorating this event is still controversial and how it impacts U.S.-China relations. Then, the Trump administration dropped a big announcement for Americans hoping to travel to Cuba. We'll give you the details. And finally, it's the end of Ramadan. Maybe. We're here to make your Tuesday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Fleur. The most complicated story today is about the U.S. and China. The relationship has been complicated lately. But today, things got personal. A spokesperson for China's foreign ministry went after U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. He accused him of having lunatic ravings and babbling nonsense. All of this was because Pompeo issued a statement this morning dredging up some not-so-distant history that China's been trying to forget, the Tiananmen Square massacre. 30 years ago today, on June 4, 1989, the communist Chinese government turned the military on its own people, who were protesting in Beijing's Tiananmen Square in support of democracy. Anywhere from hundreds to thousands of Chinese died that day. 30 years have passed, and yet China's government still hasn't apologized for the massacre. They've basically pretended it didn't happen at all. In a statement, Pompeo said China needed to own up to Tiananmen and a bunch of other human rights abuses. After that statement came out, a spokesperson for China's embassy in Washington said people who criticized China could end up in, quote, the ash heap of history. Yikes. So we're going to get into what exactly happened at Tiananmen Square, how China has worked to tamp down democracy ever since, and how it affects the U.S. and China relationship to this day. Quick backgrounder. Starting in 1949, China was being led by an oppressive communist leader named Mao Zedong. His reign, especially the time from 1966 to 1976, led to starvation and violence, and millions of people died. After Mao died, China's communist government focused on fixing the nation's broken economy and opening up the country's markets to the world, which allowed other countries, including the U.S., to start building business relationships with China. But more capitalism didn't actually mean more democracy. And in the late 80s, China's college students started marching in the streets, protesting a bunch of things, like the communists controlling the one-party political system, no freedom of the press, and massive corruption in the government. They had some allies in the government, but then one of them died suddenly. And in response, the students peacefully took over Tiananmen Square. They went on a hunger strike for days, and then refused to leave the square. And in the early hours of June 4, 1989, the government sent in the troops with tanks and guns. This morning, a joint committee of Congress called two survivors of the Tiananmen Square massacre to testify. Wu'er Kaishi was a student leader back then who flew in from Taiwan to speak. I still mourn the loss of friends, fellow activists, and family. As a survivor, I keenly feel the guilt and the pain that belongs to the captain who didn't go down with his ship. The former student leaders told their stories, but they also urged the U.S. government to do more to address human rights abuses and pro-democracy causes in China moving forward. Wu'er Kaishi said the U.S. government didn't do enough back then to help the pro-democracy movement. And while Tiananmen Square is being commemorated in the U.S., 
China's basically tried to make sure their country forgot about it. In China, the government-controlled internet censors any mention of the incident. Most young people don't learn about it in school. And every year around June 4th, the government rounds up former Tiananmen protesters or their families they left behind to make sure they don't cause a scene. And today, the former student leader said, China's still oppressing its people in less obvious ways. China's gone more big brother, installing millions of surveillance cameras across the country and keeping at least a million Uyghur Muslims in detention. This was also something Secretary Pompeo called out in his statement. There's an iconic photo from Tiananmen showing a lone young man standing in front of a row of huge Chinese military tanks. After that photo was taken, he climbed up on the tanks and he was taken away. To this day, he hasn't been identified. He's just called Tank Man. Wu'er Kaishi called on U.S. lawmakers to remember that image, a single unarmed person being oppressed by powerful forces when they deal with China today. I trust you have the courage to face up to China before it is too strong and it is too late. And this would belatedly make our sacrifice worthwhile. Thank, thank you very much, ladies thank, and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Um... So what's the skim? The timing of that plea from the Tiananmen Square survivors is important. Right now, the Trump administration is in trade negotiations with China, which has turned into a full-on trade war as each side raises tariffs or taxes on imported goods on the other. At the hearing today, another person who testified was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's been calling on Beijing to end its human rights abuses ever since Tiananmen Square. So much repression is taking place. I think we're going in the opposite direction. It's important for the world to know 30 years later that we haven't forgotten what happened then and that we know what is happening now and that it will have an impact in our relationship with China. Meanwhile, China dealt with some pushback closer to home. In Hong Kong, the former British colony was turned over to China about 20 years ago and kind of plays by its own rules. Thousands held a candlelight vigil marking 30 years since Tiananmen Square, something people in the rest of the country can't do or don't do because they don't even know that it happened. Even if you wear perfume daily, you might not think about what's actually in it. Enter Fleur. They make non-toxic perfumes, and you get a good scent made with clean ingredients. Go to Fleur.com today and use promo code SKIMTHIS to get 20% off your first custom Fleur sample set. Pick three scents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. That's promo code SKIMTHIS at Fleur.com to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. P-H-L-U-R.com. If you're still trying to plan your summer island vacation, the Trump administration just narrowed your list by one. This morning, the Treasury Department announced new restrictions on U.S. travel to Cuba. They're banning some education and recreational groups that used to be allowed to make the trip. So what's going on here? Let's start with a little history lesson. After Fidel Castro came to power during the Cuban Revolution 60 years ago, the U.S. started cutting trade and diplomatic ties. In 1963, the U.S. banned travel to Cuba completely. That icy policy held for decades, until President Obama started easing travel restrictions in 2009. Then, in 2014, the relationship really thawed. The U.S. reopened its Cuban embassy in 2015, and Obama made a historic visit in 2016. 
Now, the Cuban government says U.S. citizens are the second largest tourist group on the island. But Republicans haven't been very happy about the policy shift in Cuba, and neither has President Trump. In June 2017, Trump announced he would reinstate restrictions on Americans traveling and making business deals in the country. And he said sanctions would stay in place until the Cuban government freed political prisoners and scheduled free and fair elections, among other things. We do not want U.S. dollars to prop up a military monopoly that exploits and abuses the citizens of Cuba. But direct flights, cruise routes, and hotel ventures kept going. Nothing really changed. Until now. So what's affected? It looks like commercial flights will stay, but private and corporate planes and cruise ships won't be allowed to make the trip. Academics, journalists, and other professionals will still be allowed to travel. But visas for so-called people-to-people groups, educational trips that got around the tourism ban, are being cut. If you've already got a trip booked, no worries. Your visa and ticket are still good. This is just the administration's latest policy switch on Cuba. In May, the Trump administration enacted a law to let U.S. citizens sue Cuban companies that seized their property during the revolution. And the administration's crackdown on immigration has also impacted Cuba. More than 20,000 Cubans are trying to come to the U.S. through a family reunification program, but their cases have been delayed. This new travel policy will also really hit Cuba's wallet. Public and private tourism brings in $6 billion a year to the island. But all of this might actually be connected to another U.S. foe, Venezuela. Cuba has been a big supporter of Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro. The Trump administration is backing Maduro's opposition and may be hoping that missing those U.S. dollars will get the Cubans to switch sides. Muslims have been watching the sky, looking for the first sighting of a crescent moon to mark the end of Ramadan. But this year, that's been a bit controversial. Ramadan is the holiest month for Muslims, For the past 30 days, one and a half billion people have been fasting from sunup to sundown. It starts with the new moon of the ninth month of the Muslim calendar and ends a full moon cycle later. But even though the phases of the moon can be calculated years in advance, Muslim communities need to see it to believe it's time to end their fast. Yesterday, the Saudi Arabian Supreme Court said, I spy a new moon, and a handful of other countries joined them to start their three-day Eid party today at dusk. But Iran had already announced their party won't start until Wednesday. So some people are wondering if this is more about politics, and the Saudis just didn't want to celebrate with Iran. They aren't exactly friends. A bunch of other countries agreed with Iran, though, and people there are fasting for one more day. Either way, today or tomorrow, for those who are breaking fast, Eid Mubarak. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from Japan. Women are taking a stand against high heels. There's a new petition demanding that the government tell companies they can't force women to wear high heels to work. Apparently, it's a common rule in the workplace. It's becoming known as the Kutu movement, basically a mix of Me Too and Kutsu, which is Japanese for shoes. And so far, close to 20,000 people have signed the petition. Women say it's gender discrimination, and according to the World Economic Forum, Japan ranks 110th out of 149 countries in gender equality. 
You know what they say, give a girl the right shoes and she can conquer the world. As long as she can pick her own shoes. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening. For more Skim, you can check out our premium content like our deep dive on Tiananmen Square by downloading the Skim app. And to sign up for our free morning newsletter, head over to theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.